During the mob attack on the Carthage jail of June 27, 1844, one of the killers fired a rifle through the door to the upstairs room. The ball smashed through the door, striking Hiram Smith in the face. Mortally wounded, he fell to the floor uttering his last words, I am a dead man. Many people today may not attach any particular significance to those words and instead just attribute them to the result of shock. But to Americans of the mid-19th century, these final words, I am a dead man, invoked a tradition dating back centuries, the tradition of the good death, the Christian art of dying well. On today's episode, the first in our second season, we'll explore what it meant in the mid-1800s to die well. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. In her book on death and the Civil War, historian Drew Gilpin explains how American culture in the 19th century offered many lessons in how life should end. This concept of the good death was very important to Americans of the time and had long been a core of Christian practice. Dying was an art, and the tradition of Ars Moriendi had specific rules going back at least to the 15th century. In 1651, Jeremy Taylor's book on The Rules and Exercise of Holy Dying became a classic. It included instructions about how a person should give up the soul gladly and willfully. It wrote out reflections and prayers to help dying people overcome life's final temptations, unbelief, despair, impatience, and worldly attachment. Family was central to the art of dying well, and ideally, one should die at home, surrounded by relatives. The relatives would both attend to the needs of the dying person, but also look to the last moments of life. These last moments would give an eloquent summation of the state of the person's soul. A good death should look like this. There would be last words. And the last words would show that the dying person was, first, conscious of their fate, second, willing to accept it. The last words should include expressions of belief in God and show confidence in the hope of salvation. They should also leave messages and exhortations for the family and friends that the dying person was leaving behind. The Smith family lived in this culture and valued dying well. Their oldest son, Alvin, had died in November of 1823 of an illness that was compounded by medical malpractice. In her family history, Lucy Mack Smith recorded minutely the details of Alvin's last moments in a way that shows they understood what it meant to die well. Alvin gave instructions to the brothers and sisters he was leaving behind. He encouraged Hiram to finish the house and take good care of their parents in their old age. He encouraged Sophronia to do all she could for their father and mother and never forsake them, but be kind to them in their old age. He encouraged and admonished all of his brothers and sisters in this way with some unique instructions to Joseph, because more than any of the other Smith children, Alvin had shown the greatest interest in Joseph's account of ministering angels and the plates which would later become the Book of Mormon. He told Joseph, I am now going to die. My time is very short. I want you to be a good boy 
and do everything in your power to obtain the record. Be faithful in receiving instruction and in keeping every commandment that is given to you. A few moments later, he gave his last words. Father, mother, brothers, sisters, farewell. I can now breathe out my life as calmly as a clock. A few minutes later, he was gone. Alvin's death could have been a textbook example in Jeremy Taylor's The Rules and Exercise of Holy Dying. First, Alvin realized he was dying. He accepted his fate calmly and with courage. At home, surrounded by his family, he gave final instructions and encouragement to those he was leaving behind. But people meeting death in the 19th century did not always have the luxury of time. How, when death came violently or suddenly, could a person be expected to die well? This was a real concern for Americans who lived during the Civil War. One of the greatest horrors of the new technology, such as advances in artillery, rifling, and indirect fire, is that so many soldiers would be killed instantly, with no chance of meeting the elements of a good death. But even so, mortally wounded soldiers during the American Civil War often made efforts to articulate that they understood they were dying and accept their fate, to die as well as they could under the circumstances. Letters sent to bereaved parents and wives frequently reported that their soldiers died as well as they could. That is, at least that they understood and accepted what was happening. For example, Dabney Carr Harrison of Virginia, shot fatally through the lungs, managed to say his last words, I am perfectly willing to die. J.C. Cartwright wrote to the parents of a Georgian soldier who had died in April of 1862. He was conscious all the time and expressed a willingness to die. T. Fitzhu wrote to a widow that her husband, quote, lived but a short time after being shot by the Yankees, but he was in his right mind at the time and was perfectly resigned. A nurse in a Virginia military hospital wrote to the mother of a dead soldier that her son, quote, was conscious of his death and not afraid, but willing to die, which gave me reason to believe that he is better off now than in this world of woe. Literature also provides examples about how a person could be expected to die well, even when death came violently and suddenly. Shakespeare's Henry IV includes a scene where young Percy Hotspur dies at the Battle of Shrewsbury. The great-hearted, plain-spoken Hotspur does his best to accept death willingly with these final words. No, Percy, thou art dust and food for worms. It's in this tradition that Hiram would have uttered his last words. Shot in the face, he fell to the floor with only a moment to live. Hiram had no time to meet the traditional steps of a good death. He was away from home, away from all family except his younger brother Joseph, and unlike Alvin, Hiram was denied any chance to leave admonishments, encouragements, or final instructions to those he would leave behind. But with his last breath, he uttered, I am a dead man, to show he was both conscious of his fate and willing to accept it. Hiram was a brave man, 
and he met his end with courage, and in his final breath, gave what he could to those he was leaving behind, the knowledge and consolation that he had died well. Thank you again for joining us on this, our first episode of the second season. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History.